Hey everybody, this is Pat Finn with the Sons of Saturday. Hope everyone's doing great. It's Monday night. We've cooled off. I've cooled off a little bit from the results of this weekend. And uh, we do have a big-time basketball game, big-time basketball season, kicking off on Wednesday at noon against the Radford Highlanders. Really excited to see what this squad can do. And uh, this is a basketball episode here. At the Sons of Saturday. Before we get into it, uh, I'll give you guys kind of some scoops real quick uh, on the episode and then we'll jump in. Uh, but first of all, as you all probably know if you plugged into here, Sons of Saturday is presented by the Main Street Pharmacy. Listen, I've been to pharmacies. I've been to a lot of pharmacies in my day. You know, there's, there's the CVSs of the world, you get your Rite Aid, but no one's going to treat you as good as Dr. Jeremy Counts and his friendly staff down at the Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia. They treat you like a neighbor, not a number. Don't go to your big corporate pharmacies. They're, you know, they're just, they're just thinking of you as another number. You know, they're not, they don't give you that neighborly love. You go in there, you get greeted by, uh, by Jeremy with a smile. They sell Sons of Saturday gear. I mean, come on, they got t-shirts, they got the Sons of Saturday flags, and uh, they really care about Virginia Tech, and that's what's most important. They care about tech, they care about the students, the community, and Blacksburg, Virginia. Head on down to the Main Street Pharmacy and uh, check out Jeremy and, and the staff and, and say hello. Tell them the sun sent you. Uh, to share with you guys what we'll be talking about today, we got Coach Kevin Giltner coming on in his first year as assistant coach at Virginia Tech. Uh, previously, he was uh, assistant to the head coach, kind of like a special assistant role. But this guy knows Mike Young better than anyone at Virginia Tech, uh, if you can believe that. We're going to talk to him. We talked to him for about 40 minutes, and he was great. He really gets me excited, gets Billy excited uh, for the direction that this program is headed, both in the short term here uh, with the additions of a lot of talent and uh, fixing some of our size issues, but also uh, just long term. In addition to that, afterwards, we have Mike McDaniel and Ed Williams uh, coming on to do a little season preview of the basketball season. Ed and Mike, Mike and Ed, they're going to be doing some basketball-specific podcasts here on the Sons of Saturday feed. So buckle in and get ready to hear uh, Mike and Ed. Uh, They definitely go pretty in-depth. I know Ed is a huge basketball fan, so really excited for that. Uh, As far as a programming update, We do not have a football preview coming up later this week, so we will be dropping an episode uh, of Billy Ray's interview with Coach John Sung, who is the women's lacrosse head coach. And uh, we know Coach Sung has really uh, revitalized this women's lacrosse program over the last few years. They had a great season before it was cut short this past spring from COVID. Really excited to see what they can do uh, this upcoming year. And also, we can hear a little bit about Coach Sung's golf game. I know he's, uh, he's always out there going low, as they say. In addition to that, uh, just a last kind of announcement here. Got to plug our good friends at Uscape Apparel. Um, We have been doing giveaways these last few weeks on Instagram. Uh, They got really cool sweatshirts, hats, t-shirts of the Virginia Tech skyline. Rep your skyline is the tagline from Uscape. 
We see cool pictures of Burris Hall printed on uh, sweatshirts that I got rocking. There's Torg Bridge one. We get a little Lane Stadium castle uh, etch as well. Hashtag rep your skyline. Follow at Uscape Apparel. Use Sons of Sat at checkout. You'll get 15% off of your order. Holidays are coming up. Mom and dad, brother, sister, they might be looking for some new, unique Hokies apparel. Look no further than youscapeapparel.com to check that out. And also, just, you know, shameless plug, basketball podcast here coming up. Go to the Sons of Saturday website. Check out the store. We do have the cold drinks, waiting hats on the website. I wear mine all the time. It's awesome. There's a lot of other cool uh, new Sons of Saturday merchandise on the Sons website. So go, uh, go play around and see what's on there. But without further ado, we are excited to welcome on Coach Giltners. Here we go. Welcome in, welcome back, the Mike Young era. Round two is beginning on Wednesday, November 25th. We got a big game against the Radford Highlanders. And we're extremely excited to welcome to the Sons of Saturday, assistant coach Kevin Giltner. Now, just a little bit of background about Coach KG. I don't know, I don't know the nicknames yet, Coach Kev. Everybody calls uh, me KG, that's fine. All right, everyone calls him KG. All right, cool. Um but Coach Kevin Giltner followed uh, Mike Young to Virginia Tech after spending six seasons at Wofford, uh, five as an assistant coach. He spent the first year at Wofford as the director of basketball operations uh, for the 2013-2014 season, played at Wofford under Coach Young, so he's known Coach Young for more than a decade, and uh, that's a lot of popcorn kernels stuck in your teeth, my friend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yep. Uh, yeah. Joined in 2019 when Coach Young joined the staff. And after serving as a special assistant to the head coach, Coach Giltner was promoted to assistant coach for this upcoming year. Uh, him and Coach Young have been a part of all five Southern Conference championships in Wofford history. And Coach Giltner played at Wofford where he averaged 14.8 per game during his senior year. Uh, led the Terriers to the postseason three years in a row, earned all Southern Conference honors first team from the coaches and second team from the media, and scored 954 points, second in school history in games played with 131, and sixth in school history with 187 career three-pointers. So a lot of great stuff over down at Wofford, great stuff here at Virginia Tech. Uh, Kevin Giltner, welcome to the Sons of Saturday. I appreciate that introduction. I've never had quite that introduction. I, uh, I'm already a big fan of you guys, but that made it uh, quite uh, – that put some uh, the icing on the cake for me right there. I appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. Got to credit the uh, Hokie Sports website, Wikipedia. You know, we got we got all these resources. <laughs> we got to use them. Coach, I got to say, you got the uh, you got the Zoom background today, which is uh, which is giving me the heebie-jeebies a little bit. I, I miss a packed, I missed a, I miss a packed Castle Coliseum, uh, yeah. but nonetheless, really, really looking forward um, to this season. And wanted to just ask you right off the bat, you know, how have you been adjusting? Are you healthy? Uh, how's everything been going? How have you been uh, kind of navigating these unprecedented times here? 
Yeah, yeah, we're healthy. We're uh, very fortunate. Our guys have done a heck of a job as far as COVID. Um, there's obviously some luck involved, right? You never know when or how that thing pops up, but we've had a lot of really good test results probably the last six or seven weeks. Um, so knock on wood, I mean, we get tested just about every other day now, so it could all change, you know, like that, but I guess I can speak on the past, man. We've been uh, pretty, pretty lucky, but you know, we got, you know, the typical normal stuff going on with the team, you know, a little bruise here, a little bruise there, but in general, everybody's healthy. We're ready to roll on Wednesday if we can keep passing these tests. So first and foremost, congratulations on the promotion to assistant coach. And, you know, I mentioned that you've spent over a decade with coach young at this point, you know, we can tell that he sees a lot of value in you. What did you do as a special assistant to the head coach and how is your new role as assistant coach kind of going to change? You know, what are your new responsibilities or what's going to be different for you? Yeah, that was that was a new role for me. You know, at Wofford, we had five guys on staff, right? The head coach, three assistants, and then the strength coach who was also our ops at the same time. So it was a small staff. So we kind of did everything at Wofford. And then you come to Virginia Tech and you've got an army of people, right? It, we, we laughed all the time when we're watching games. We're like, oh, my God, look how many suits are on the bench. We're not used to that. You got GAs and everybody. So it was a new role for me. So you know, I didn't have a, a guidebook to, Hey, this is what you do. But I really wanted to be involved in recruiting. Obviously I couldn't recruit. I couldn't make the calls. I couldn't go on the trips, but I wanted to be involved in case something like this did happen. You know, an opportunity presented itself. I could kind of seamlessly um, make that transition. So, you know, the on-campus stuff, the organization of recruits, all that jazz, I was very involved in the film work and everything. So um, that's one aspect of it. But I also, like you said, I know coach young really, really well. I've been with him for a long time. So when you're taking over a program and he's on the road recruiting or he's going to speak to this hockey club or he's going to go do this event, you know, he's busy as all get out in year one. He wanted to have somebody who could kind of run the show from the office and make sure this is how things are done. This is how he wants the practice to look. This is how he wants the film work to be, you know, organized. This is how he likes to do things when we travel, you know, so a lot, I got a lot of questions from our staff who is mostly new with coach on how he wants things done. You know, what does he like here? What does he like there? So I felt like I was kind of like that liaison for our staff. Instead of having to pepper Coach Young with, hey, how do you want this to be? Hey, they asked me. Uh, And I was glad to fill that role and kind of help from behind the scenes. Um, You know, and obviously the the basketball X's and O's, uh, you couldn't quote unquote coach in that role. But, you know, you can can help coach break down the film and, 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 hey, this is how practice should look and, you know, kind of behind the scenes guy. That's what I was. I was kind of the behind the scenes guys. And I had no problems making that or taking on that role. Um, but I'm certainly glad to be in the position that I am now. This is the position I want to be. I want to be able to coach and recruit. And Coach Young told me, hey, this opportunity could be there. Come up here with me. And as soon as that spot opens, uh, it'll be yours. And I got lucky enough to have it happen in year one or after year one. You mentioned a couple of things there. I want to ask uh, follow-ups on. So you know, you mentioned seeing more suits on the on the sideline in the ACC. So after your first year coaching in the ACC, um, whether it was there a moment where it stuck out to you where you're like, I'm coaching, I'm in the ACC now, or kind of an eye-opening moment, whether it was Castle or, or going to one of these other you know classic schools. What was like the eye-opening moment for you uh, joining the best basketball conference in America? Well, it's funny because. When you take over a program, 
more times than not, you're taking over a program that's struggling. We were not in that case. We took over a program that had just went to the Sweet 16. Coach Williams did a heck of a job with this program. So this was already had a good culture set, already had the fan base ready to roll. So when we had our first game, um, I can't even remember who we played first game last year. Um, Clemson. But I watched them play. I mean, our first home game. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Our first home game, and we've come in and, like, there's – almost 3000 students and the the fan base is wild. I'm like, Oh my gosh, they, this, this is the ACC right here. You know, like Wofford had a 3,500 seat arena, you know, there was almost 3000 students at Virginia tech in the fan in the stand. So it, that's when I was like, Oh my gosh, this is awesome. These people love the Hokies. This is high level basketball. And then, like you said, you know, you going into camera, you going into Dean dome, which I did at Wofford. Uh, we actually went into Dean dome and one when we were at Wofford, but you know, going to those places, um, you know, as an actual ACC school, man, that, that vibe was just different. It was different than going to VMI. It was a little bit different going to than going into Western Carolina. <laughs> Not that those programs are bad, but, you know, those these this level is just insane. So they had many eye-opening moments, you know, going into the Carrier Dome and seeing how big that place is. Holy smokes. Uh, it was fun, though. I had a lot of like, wow, this is a different level feelings uh, throughout the year. Yeah, and then I wanted to ask this, just just kind of a, uh, a a selfish question here. So in football, obviously you have you have the different coaches have different territories. Obviously, less coaches on a basketball staff. Um, there aren't really posi- there are position specific, but it's a little bit more open uh, than it is with football. How is recruiting broken down between the different coaches? Is it strictly geographical? Is it position? Um, what does that look like in a year where COVID isn't happening? Yeah. So no positions. So, you know, somebody doesn't just recruit the bigs and somebody just doesn't recruit the guard. We all recruit everybody. Um, and we've done on coach Young's staffs in the past, specifically at Walker, we've done uh, geography based recruiting, but when we got here, we're, we're not doing that. You know, kind of everybody can recruit everybody like coach Webster, coach Frazier. Those dudes are elite recruiters. They have relationships all over the country all over the world. Like we think that we put them in a box. If we said, Hey, you just have this area. Now, naturally they're going to have the Baltimore DC area more than me just because they're from that area. That's where they, you know, kind of know a lot of people and things like that. And I'm kind of more of the Southeast guy, you know, being in the Southeast, growing up in the Southeast, being at Wofford, all that just all that stuff. But, you know, we recruit everybody and, and, and people have connections with this AU coach, that high school coach. So we just communicate really well. Uh, and make sure that we're not kind of doubling up, make sure we're not, um, you know, kind of running the roadblocks with each other. So we all get along really well. We spread our wings and we fly and get all over the country and try to kind of find the right guys for Mike Young. Yeah, to go off of that, um, you know, in the last season, uh, started off really strong. And then once we got into ACC play, we definitely saw some challenges. And a lot of those challenges were in part to, uh, lack of size and uh, a lack of rebounding. And that was a huge thing. It was a challenge for the team. Uh, but mentioning finding the right guys and finding size, knowing that rebounding was a hurdle last year, what has the staff done to address that? And what do you think we should be looking forward to this season as far as from well, a personal perspective? Yeah, well, we're definitely bigger and more athletic. That's that's We had uh, P.J. Horn and Brandon Johnson were really the only guys with size. And, J- and John, obviously. Um and in Landers Nolly. So in Landers wasn't really a, a true forward, right? We played him at the four just out of necessity, but 
now you have Keve Aluma eligible, who I think you guys are going to fall in love with. Um, he he has gotten so much better. He's a transfer from Wofford. Um, he's a beast. You guys will love him. I I, I don't want to hype him up too much, but you guys will love that guy. He's, he's Tyrese Radford, just way bigger and plays the post. You know, he's kind of that kind of animal, kind of a little bit of a Dennis Robin type personality to him, which we need desperately. And he's versatile. Uh, obviously we brought in David Gasson, a six, nine and a half. We measured him yesterday, six, nine and a half with shoes on. Um, you know, he's a freshman. And then we got Justin Mutz, Cordell Pencil, who are grad transfers that will play the four and the five for us. And then John has made major strides as well. I mean, he's, he's probably been one of the most improved guys. So now we have five legitimate forwards with length and athleticism that will really help those. Let us throw it in the, in the post a little bit, help our rebounding woes, and this makes us deeper. Uh, and now everybody's a year older. So I think we really address the youth. I think we really address the athleticism. I think we really address the size. You know, obviously we brought in Cartier Jara makes us older uh, at the guard positions. But then the Naheems, the Jalens, the Hunters, the Tyrese's of the world, they're a year older. They got thrown into the fire as freshmen. And, you know, now they're way more experienced. So we're just older and more athletic and deeper in, in, in a quick little off season. So it's, it's been fun. But to, to address your question about what does Coach Young look for, we're, we're big on guys that can pass, dribble, and shoot, like big on skill. Uh, Coach Young, our, our, our old saying is, if you can't shoot, don't recruit. And it should be, if you don't shoot it well, don't recruit, right? We want guys that can really make shots. Um, that's kind of the foundation of his offense, and that helps with spacing and everything. So a guy like Cartier Jara and Wabi Sabidi and Tyrese Radford, those lanes are now even more open because – You've got to guard these guys out on the perimeter. You've got to guard our fours and our fives who are threats from three. So that's a big part of what we do is, man, can you pass dribble and shoot? Obviously, this level, you got to be athletic. you got to be big. you got to be able to defend. So it's a specific guy that Coach Young wants, but we've had some success early on in this uh, recruiting trail. And I know you're going to be working with the guards, and we're adding a lot of size. We're adding a lot of uh, folks who might be coming from the transfer market who are veterans, but also there's some new blood coming to the program. Uh, Darius Maddox and Joe Bamisil, who are two uh, top guards out of the class of 2020. Um, But just got to hear your take on Joe Bamisil. We sat down with him at Joe's Diner last week, which he had never been to. Wow. And uh, we're excited for what he can bring to the team, what he brings to the locker room, because uh, he is a unique personality. But uh, what are your thoughts on Joe B? He's unique in every, word, in every way that you can imagine. Like, one, just look at him. He's got freakishly long arms. He is he's the strongest freshman that Coach Dave Jackson has ever coached. And it's just natural. Like, the guy is a mutant. He is freakishly long arm, can jump jump out of the gym. So you combine those two things, uh, he could be a highlight reel on some on some fun nights. But uh, he is a unique human too, man. He's got different things going on, and di- which is fine. We embrace that. Like we want, we don't want robots. We don't want guys that think the same way as us. We want guys to challenge us, uh, and our and not that he challenges us in a bad way. You know what I'm saying? He's got his own ideas, and he asks good questions. You know, this is how I think about it. Why shouldn't I? Do-? You know, so it, it's been great for us, but he's a great dude. I tell you what, he, he, he really wants to be in the gym. He wants to be in the film room. He wants to get extra shots up. He wants extra lifts. And at the end of the day, you can think however you want to think, as long as you're a hard worker and you buy into the program and that's Joe Bama. So he's bought in and Darius Maddox is, is a really good player. Both those dudes can make shots. Both those dudes are athletic. Um, and, and, and they're very, they're, they're very mature for how young they are. 
you know, most freshmen, you got to teach them how to get in the gym. You got to teach them how to work, not those guys. So they just add some depth. And, and sometimes it has us scratching our heads as coaches, like, how do you find minutes for all these guys? Cause we got a lot of good players. You know, a lot of the times, you know, you look at this roster and if you didn't watch this team last year, you'd say, um, okay, we got a really young team that brought in some transfers who are going to, you know, be the leaders of the team. And I'm sure, I'm sure they will be, but it's unique in the fact that we have so many sophomores and so many young guys who actually got minutes last year. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm curious kind of to understand what has been the focus for some of those sophomores um, as they moved into this new year, uh, both from a developmental standpoint and a leadership standpoint. What have they worked on? What kind of strides have they made over this offseason? The biggest thing that anybody could notice last year is we just weren't big enough and strong enough. And, and that comes with youth right if you're young you're not going to be the strongest guy out there you're not going to be the most athletic guy because your, your body just gets worn into the down worn into the ground after you know the gauntlet of the ACC so the body is what we've tried to address the most and, and, and Dave Jackson is elite he is elite and all these guys have gotten bigger and stronger um they they look a year older we're watching film from last year and we're like oh my gosh look at Naheem look at Jalen look at Hunter look how young and small they look so now we see them and they kind of got some facial hair. They're bigger and stronger, they're more athletic. <laughs> and it, we love it. We love it. So the biggest thing for them was not necessarily ability and the mental part of the game, but it was just their body. So um, that's been the biggest thing I think that people will notice. Like we look bigger, we look stronger. And that's a lot to do with Dave Jackson, but it's also a lot to do with those guys are just a year older. Um, but yeah, leadership is a big deal, right? Last year, we had to teach them everything. Hey, this is how warm-ups are. This is what we're doing during warm-ups. This is how the pregame is going to look. We're teaching them everything. This is how shoot-around is supposed to look. So now they know what it's supposed to look like. Now, how can I build off that? How can I work out my own routine within the team's routine of a game day, of a practice day? Um, so it's just the little nuances of the game that they already know now. We had to teach everything. Last year was the hardest year we've ever had to coach just because you're teaching them, you know, what you can and you can't even wear during a game. You know, like just random little small stuff. You had to teach everything, but now we don't have to. Um, and, and that lets you focus more on the in-depth X's and O's of, of basketball. We were pretty bland last year, if we're being honest. We just, we just shot a lot of threes. When you really boil it down, we tried to move it, move it, move it, get open shots. Now we can be a little bit more dynamic because they're older, stronger, and they understand the game a lot more. And, you know, as we enter year two of, uh, of the Virginia Tech basketball air under coach Mike Young, what is the focus and the goal for this 2020 campaign? Uh, it's going to be different than any other year, but, you know, we were talking about this before the podcast started where, you know, I come in as a freshman and le legitimately I remember telling stories where we'd have study hall and, you know, it'd be a boring day in study hall, whatever. And, and we'd be playing some ACC opponent. We would all take our laptops, walk over to Castle and sit, sprawl out, put your bag next to your feet over the thing and watch our basketball team in an empty arena against like Wake Forest or Georgia Tech because nobody was going to the games. And now right. you're at the point where, um, you know, if we're playing, it's going to be packed. The basketball team is 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 competing and, and really making waves in the ACC. What is the goal for 2020 as you continue to build this program and try to continue to move it along the way? NCAA tournament. NCAA tournament. Like that is that has got to be the goal here. Uh, Coach Williams and the previous staff did a hell of a job of getting those guys to three straight tournaments. 
And that is, that's, that's awesome. And nobody on our staff is a stranger to the tournament. You know, Coach Young and I went five times in 10 years at Wofford. Chester Frazier went to the Elite Eight and many other runs at Kansas State. Coach Webster went to the Sweet 16 here at Virginia Tech. Everybody on our staff has not only been to the tournament, we've won in the tournament. So now, how can we get this team to the tournament? That's got to be the goal every single year. Obviously, you want to win the ACC. Obviously, you want to win every single game. I'd love to go 27-0 and 0. Is that for this year, right, 27 games. But um, that's not realistic, right? That's not realistic. So how can we go through the ebbs and the flows of the season, uh, figure out this COVID crap, you know, manage injuries, which I think we can with our depth, and get to the tournament? I think all of our eyes are set on that thing. Obviously, it's one game at a time. Let's beat Radford. But, you know, if you ask anybody on our team, anybody in our program, an overall goal, it's we'd be disappointed if this team didn't get there. Another thing that's 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 talked about a lot, with football. Um, but I, I've said this multiple, I've said this countless times that 2019 team, uh, that went to the sweet 16. I don't know if I'm capable of loving a team more than, <laughs> than I loved that basketball team. Uh, what, what do you view their involvement as? I know, I know Justin Robinson loves Virginia tech basketball. He, he does everything he can to help. Are those guys involved? Are you looking to get them more involved? How, how, how much of a connection do you have with former players, both uh, that recently graduated or that have played over the years? Yeah, you know, J-Raw has been great. He came back a couple times last year, and obviously everybody loves him here. And I think he's he's reached out to some of our guys, especially with So Those guys were super close, and that's a great person to have as a kind of a mentor, if you will. Um, and then even last year, you know, when we had home football games in the kill came back and worked out with our guys, played pickup with our guys. Uh, and then two weeks ago, Not Chris Clark, Chris Clark. Clark. Yeah, Chris Clark. Was, oh, Chris uh, Clark. Oh. Yeah, he was in there. Um, he was in there working out in Castle and kind of stayed and watched a little bit of our practice. So, um, you know, I don't know if those guys can be super involved right now with COVID. Right? They can't really come to practice and be involved like that. But I know they've got our guys' ears, and I know a lot of our players know those guys um, through social media, through AAU, through whatever it may be. So I think they're they're somewhat involved. But you're right, man, that team was fun. That team was fun to watch. And then uh, from what you've seen through this unit during offseason workouts and everything else, what would you say is the identity of this basketball team? Um, what is when we tune when we tune in uh, ACC Network or ESPN or ESPN2, like what, what can we expect out of the Virginia Tech Hokies of 2020-2021? I think you, you'll always be able to tell that man, this team can shoot the ball. All right. Yeah. I think you'll always be able to say that for about our teams. Now it's, man, this team's a little bit more versatile than I thought. We can throw it in the post. We can get fouled more. The two things that are atypical for a Mike Young team were how often we didn't get, well, uh, how we didn't get to the foul line enough last year. That's atypical. We need to get there more. And how we didn't offensive rebound at all last year. We were, you know, two of the worst teams in the country getting fouled and getting offensive rebounds. So when you combine a team that can really shoot the ball, right, at all times, but we can also get offensive rebounds and be gritty and nasty and get to the foul line based off, you know, Tyrese Rafford, Cardi Ajar, will be to get into the paint, Keve Aluma in the post, John Ojako in the post. When we can add all that type of stuff, I think you'll see a versatile team. I think that'd be a great way to kind of see us, and I hope we involved to that, you know, a team that really can shoot the ball, but we're not relying on that. We can win games when we only hit five threes a game. I hope, right? That's yet to be seen, but I hope. Um, Justin Mutz, you know, the grad transfer from Delaware, adds a great versatility piece to us, man. We can switch a little bit more one through four. He can obviously rebound at a high level, averaged 
uh, 10 a game at Delaware and he's got two years left. So he's got to help us in that rebounding department. But I I think to answer your question is I think you'll see a way more versatile team. And defensively, we were pretty good last year considering what we had, you know, we trapped the post, we rotated around, uh, you know, we were actually better defensively than we were offensively last year. If you look at the numbers, so continue to grow on that and kind of be a versatile team, both offensively and on both sides of the floor. So obviously we have a lot to be excited about for the short term, but I'm going to ask a more zoomed out and long-term question. What are you most excited about as far as the future of Virginia Tech basketball under Coach Young and this really good support staff? I mean, just like with any program you try to take over, man, you you want to see this thing continue to go up and up and up. And I firmly believe that we have not only the administration that's been awesome, but but our, our basketball staff, I firmly believe that we have the right people in place to make that happen. And we're going to attract really, really good people. We're going to attract really, really good players. And whenever you have, you know, that type of combination, it's really hard to see yourself failing. I, I think that we're going to continue to get better and better. And year one, overachieved and made your way. Year two, this year, let's keep getting better. I think we should be better. I know we should be better. But then, like, when I think about what is this place going to look like five years down the road, we're going to be able to get better and better talent because people are going to find out how awesome coach young is and how good of a coach he is. And once he gets his feet set here at Virginia tech, the sky's the limit because we can sell a lot, man. We can sell a lot. We got the new student athlete performance center. We got the new student athlete dorm. It's not all student athletes, but it's the new dorm going up, you know, the renovations, the castle, you've got a head coach, that is from this area and wants to be here for the next 15 years. That's pretty rare in college coaching, right? To have somebody who's not looking elsewhere. He's not looking at the next job. He's ready to shut it down here in 15 years and, 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 and leave the place they grew up in a better place than he found it. So I think, man, the sky's the limit for this place once we can, once we can get our feet on the ground. And I think we're doing a great job so far. That was one of my favorite answers of all time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so before we move into rapid fire, uh, I got to bring this up. I tweeted this probably after our first or second win last season. I said the Mike Young era, get your popcorn ready. And I'm a huge John Rothstein guy. I love yeah. his branding. I love his catchphrases. I just love how uh, how consistent he is. But yes. I am upset with him, or I guess I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed that he does not have a Mike Young catchphrase yet and i've tweeted at him so many times he hasn't put it out yet he says it needs to be organic you can't force it but kevin giltner what is your john rothstein catchphrase for coach young or the virginia tech basketball team i i I love get your popcorn ready i I love that um i don't have an original one i love it too and my, my my only thought to that pat is just wait it's gonna happen we're going to make a, a, a freaking splash at this place, and we're going to get college basketball media loving Virginia Tech, loving the style of play. It's going to happen. We're going to – it don't have to be organic. We're going to make it happen because this place is going to explode. I'm a firm believer in that. I want to get your pop because that is so Coach Young, man. He is just a normal-ass dude, like just a normal dude that just happens to be a great basketball coach. And if he wants to eat his freaking popcorn before the game, he don't care who's watching it. I just want my damn popcorn with some butter on it. That's that's his that's his thought process, man. So I'm all in. Let's do that. Get your popcorn ready because it, it touches on a lot of different things. A pregame, but also you better watch us play because it's going to be fun. 
Absolutely love that. So uh, we're going to jump in here to Rapid Fire, which is brought to you by the Chesapeake Center for Complete Dentistry. Shout out our guy, Dr. John Cranham, Dr. Caitlin Cranham. Sons of Saturday will get you 50% off your teeth, bleaching, necessities, and everything else. Go check them out. Hit them up. They got a great website, and they got a great uh, group of people there. All right. KG, favorite place to eat in Blacksburg? PKs. Respect. Favorite place to grab a cold drinks when those cold drinks are waiting? Yeah, I mean, shoot, I shouldn't have said PKs because it's PKs again. <laughs> yeah, PKs. I do, lo- I do love lefties too, but uh, to eat. But the PKs. basketball team loves lefties. That's yeah, like yeah. a basketball staple is lefties. I've I've never been to lefties. I got to cross that off the bucket. Well, list. you haven't been to lefties. You haven't been to Cabo Fish Taco. You never. Oh, been- I love Cabo too. I love yeah. Cabo. I lo- <laughs> There's so many good places to eat in Blacksburg. I love it. Oh yeah. Uh, favorite Mike Young ism. Oh my God! I have a book. I have a book of those. Ask anybody on our staff. Sometimes he says stuff and everybody's like, what is he talking about? <laughs> um, he loves to, whenever somebody's uh, kind of tuned out or kind of just like off in la la land and it doesn't make any sense. So don't ask me why, but he's over, he goes, Hey, uh, you're over there sitting with your teeth in your mouth. Why don't you focus over here? No one knows what that means. Uh, I love that one. Um, <laughs> I, I love uh, like a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. You know, whenever he's <laughs> he, he doesn't have a uh, he doesn't have a, an answer for something. Oh man, there's tons. There's tons. I, I I could I could write a book. That's awesome. When uh, to his uh, teeth in the mouth thing. That's when me and Billy our thing is uh, out to lunch. This guy's totally out to lunch. He's, that's exactly right. Yeah, same context. <laughs> uh, wh- who is the funniest player on the team? Ooh. Jalen Cone. Jalen Cone. The rumors must be true. I, I forget who else said that. Someone said Jalen was the funniest. Uh, he is just a positive dude. Whenever he walks in the gym, man, like he he lights up every room. He's always laughing and he can drive you nuts sometimes, boy. But that dude is an energy giver. <laughs> oh yeah. And then uh favorite music to listen to pregame. Moon taxi. Wow. Moon Taxi. All right. Morocco. Like I'm from Nashville. They are from Nashville. I used to watch them when they were nobodies and they're still kind of nobodies, but I love Moon Taxi. I don't know. I don't know about nobodies. Give us some give us some credit. I like I like Moon Taxi. Yeah, I love Moon Taxi. Um, what is the best high school film or hoops mixtape that you have ever watched? Uh you didn't have to necessarily be recruiting them, but what was the best hoops mixtape you've ever seen? Zion. Zion? Okay. Yeah. So one thing that was left out of the uh, of the bio is that you spent the 2012 and 2013 season playing in Kefafavlavlik Regengenspear right. in uh, in Iceland. Some what is Iceland? Sell me on Iceland. I know UVA goes to like uh, spring break in Iceland sometimes, which is weird. But is Iceland cool? I mean, what is what's going on up it's, there? It's, it's like the only place on Earth that you can see everything. You can see volcanoes. You can see waterfalls. You can see beaches. You can see, uh, you know, mountaintops where you go uh, uh, snow skiing. I mean, you can see everything there. Uh, Beautiful. One place you can feel like you're on Mars, literally like you're on Mars. There's nothing around you but like kind of gray hills. And you're like, this is not Earth. And then, you know, you go to the coast and you could be in a big city. 
it's got everything, man. It's got everything. It's got this place called the Blue Lagoon, where it's it's like a it's like a waist deep natural lake that is heated by geothermal energy from a volcano, uh, and it's like 104 degrees. Or it's like a natural hot tub. It's ridiculous. It's called the Blue Lagoon. Research it. I highly recommend a trip to Iceland. Big time place. Okay. I'm so I'm sold. When travel opens up, I'm gonna have to don't do go in the winter. Don't go in the winter. The winter's now the winter's not bad as far as climate. It's it's a lot like New York City. It's not terrible, but it's 20 hours of darkness. Oh man, because I'm not, of I'm not how north it's dark at six. Yeah, so I would go in the summer where it's 20 hours of sunlight. It's 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 weird. Huh. Where is Iceland? Is that I'm, that might be a dumb question. Where where is it? <laughs> I know where uh, Greenland is, but where is Iceland? Yeah, it's right beside. I mean, it's kind of if you go to New York City and kind of go northeast from there. So, like by Ireland, kind of, I guess. Not it's really. it's in the middle of nowhere. It's the middle, but it's like if you kind of went between Canada and Europe, and then kind of went a little bit more north, somewhere in the middle of that. All right, all right. I'm gonna have to check it out. Uh, LeBron, Mike, or Kobe? Mike. Okay, that's a good answer. Yeah. Uh, favorite team and favorite player of all time? Favorite player of all time, Reggie Miller. Favorite team? Um, I loved the OKC, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Westbrook team. I was a yep. huge Oklahoma City Thunder fan and i loved kevin durant but then when he joined the, the warriors i was like i'm out on him now but uh i love that team man with those three superstars they were young that was fun the last one uh the last rapid fire question then we'll do letters to lunch pail and uh wrap it up here what was the biggest challenge that you have faced from covid and what is the biggest silver lining that has come out of uh covid so far silver lining is um, which a lot of people are going to say, but like being able to like spend more time with a, your players, but B like your family. Um, my wife's looked at me the last two years, like, Hey, you haven't been on the recruit road recruiting because of a special assistant role. And then B now you're, you're, you can recruit and you're at home because of COVID. She's like, I've seen more of you in the last two years than our entire relationship, but it's been good. You know, that's the silver lining is you've been able to spend a lot more time with your players and most of the time you get to a practice and maybe one coach has gone recruiting the next practice, another coach has gone recruiting, but now like you can't, we're not planning trips. We're not out on the road. So literally we're focusing on our team every single day. And that's been great. We got deeper relationships with our team for sure. The biggest challenge is like trying to get your guys to not be a normal college student, you know, like go out and, hang out with this person and, and hang out with that person, go to big functions. That's really hard to tell an 18 year old, Hey, stay in your room and be a loser. Right. That's hard. Uh, and it's been hard for us as a staff too. Like we want to go out and about and see our families. I want to go to Nashville back home, see my parents. I can't, I don't want to, that's irresponsible. Uh, so that's been the biggest challenge is like having to kind of just sit at home and do nothing. But uh, we've been pretty fortunate with COVID as far as on our team and we've had a couple that have had it early on, but that was a bit, a little bit of a challenge, but just the, just the having to kind of stay home and, and, and be low key has been hard for a lot of our guys. Cause like you guys know, we got some characters and people, people who want to hang out with other people and do that kind of stuff. So you can't. So we got, uh, we had two letter from the lunch pail submissions here uh, from Wayne Kent and David Case. Both of them were kind of answered over the course of the interview here. Uh, letters from the lunch pail brought to you from Sharkies. 
Sharky's Blacksburg, where good friends go. I'm going to submit a letter from the lunch pail here because we kind of talked about this earlier. But uh, KG, what is your favorite Mike Young story? Oh, man. You gotta get. You gotta give me some sort of field to go around. Give, give me some sort of like a subject. Okay. Um, I guess a recruiting story would be cool on the road with uh, on the road with Coach Young, maybe. Um, time as a player, or maybe any help? fun Thanksgiving or Christmas holiday <laughs> stories. Oh man, he's got some. Uh, I, here's a funny story um, that he told me when he was recruiting me. Um, he would drive to Nashville and back to Spartanburg in the same day. And that's like 12 hours of driving for like an hour visit with me. And I, I thought that was incredible. I was like, that's why I want to play for this dude. Like he's all in, but he's, he's coming to see me and eat dinner with my family, all this jazz. And he hears this. And he thinks that a helicopter is landing on top of his car. He's like looking under the windshield. He's like looking up. He's like, what in the, what is going on? Like, I feel like a helicopter is about to land on my, on top of my car, but he just had a flat tire. It was just, you know, like, (laughs) so he pulls over, has to change it. I thought that was a really, really funny story when he was telling that. But, um, Kylie, I remember one time we were playing at Austin P when we were together at Wofford and we had a couple guys that were not playing well. This is around Christmas time. When you said Christmas, it made me think of this. He goes off on this rant on our guys. Uh, we lost the game, and we should have won the game. We did not play well. And uh, he's uh, he's going off and off, and I can't say everything. But he's like, you know, in the morning on Christmas Day, make sure you got your pajamas on, and you walk down the steps, and you look up onto the tree and find your game. You guys are ter- – you know, like you just kind of going <laughs> off on these guys. It, it, that was one of the best all-time rants I've ever go to. Like, come down in your pajama, tiptoe down there, look at the tree, and find your game. Oh you know, it just God. goes on. Oh, my God. I was back awesome. behind everybody like this, just, like, trying not to smile. Uh, but, hey, we got back from Christmas break, and we won a heck of a run, and we won a lot of games in a row, so maybe it worked. Dang. Well, coach, I got to tell you, this has been, this has been a blast and it's been a, it's been a long time coming. I remember, uh, I remember back when you first, when you first got the promotion and here we are a couple weeks uh, away from the season. Uh, you know, this last segment, shout out sec- section, anything you want to shout out, anything you have going on, um, just uh, take us home here, but we can't thank you enough for your time uh, on this Sunday. And uh, I mean, we can we cannot wait. I can't stress this enough. We can't wait <laughs> for basketball to get started. Yeah, we we are we're we're pumped too, man. We can't wait. But shout out to like all of our trainers and all of our medical staff and all the administration. Like, I, I don't think people understand like what all Hisham, our trainer, you know, go forth. You know, kind of the trainer for everybody and our medical staff and Dr. Rogers and McCready and everybody. I'm missing people and I shouldn't. But like the protocols and the things that they have to go through for us to even practice every day, it's insane. Like they do 10 times the work that they would do in a normal year because of COVID uh, and our administration between setting up the gym and how they're going to pull this thing off. We had a real run through on Saturday of kind of like what it's going to be like and the protocols and the regulations now is insane. Those guys are working their butt off just to give us the opportunity to play basketball. So we appreciate that because we get to do what we love because they're putting in that extra effort. So shout out to those guys, man. I don't think they get enough credit during all this. Um, so that'll be my shout out for everybody. 
Coach, can't thank you enough. Looking forward to it, and uh, we will talk soon. But uh, super excited about this basketball season, the future of this program, and um, wishing you nothing but the best in 2020 and 2021. I appreciate you guys. Love what you guys are doing. Happy to be on. Let me know if I can never help you guys in any way. You guys have been awesome. Back since a Saturday podcast. This is not Pat Finn. This is not Billy Ray Mitchell. This is not Grayson Wimbish. This is Mike McDaniel with Ed Williams. We are talking Hokies basketball. We're here to do a basketball podcast all throughout the season for the Sons of Saturday. So, Ed, what's going on, buddy? Not much. I'm really excited to talk about something other than Fuentes' job security. So, let's, <sighs> yeah, I'm super pumped for this year. This team is poised to be pretty good. So. Let's uh let's get into it, man. Yeah, the the Fuente job security talk is oh dragged out at this point, and yeah, it's exhausting think, at best. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not sure we're getting clarity on anytime soon either. So anyway, yeah. let's talk about hoops. Um, so the ACC telecom, we're recording this on Friday the 20th of November, so not totally sure when this is going to be released yet, but. This is Friday morning, the 20th. We're recording this podcast the day after the ACC coaches teleconference. Ed, let me start with this. I was on that call. It was a technical difficulty disaster. Yeah, I, uh, I followed you know, through your Twitter feed all day, you know, reading what the various coaches had to say, and it didn't seem to be going very smooth. Um, total, I guess total it's nightmare. not a good sign when you don't hear from probably the two coaches of the two top teams in the conference, Leonard Hamilton and Tony Bennett. So um, <laughs> I don't know Major how... Issue. I don't really think that's a good look, but hey, it's 2020. You got to make do with what you can. Um, it sounds like you guys were able to hear from Coach K, and he had some, you know, national level insight in terms of what they think um, he did. could go down throughout the year. So that was interesting. If you want to dive into that a little bit, yeah. So David Teal actually prompted the question. Shout out, David. Um, asked him about the, you know, the bubbling of the NCAA tournament, and asked him, hey, like if this season were to get delayed or pushed back, would you advocate for a later ACC tournament and then later on an NCAA tournament that would go into maybe May, June timeframe if needed with COVID? And Coach K basically said, yeah, I mean, I've always been an advocate for that. You know, if we need to push it back, let's push it back and let's try to play it because it's meaningful not only for the NCAA from a revenue standpoint, but it's meaningful to the kids. It was really interesting, Ed, because, you know, when... Clemson <laughs> Clemson comes to the podium, right? And, you know, we're we're wondering what Coach Brownell is going to say about this. David Teal asked him a similar question, and Brad Brownell basically just says, Yeah, I mean, more than like the NCAA just needing the money, like this is really, really meaningful for the kids. And it's been a rough year for the kids and for a lot of people. And if everybody's able to have that opportunity then let's go on and play, even if it's a delayed season or a delayed tournament or what have you. So as of now, it sounds like the season's going to tip off next week. And and Mike Bray, this was interesting too, Ed, Mike Bray of Notre Dame says, hey, we're playing right into the teeth of this virus with a second surge. And, you know, basically said, we're going to see if we can get all these games in, you know, optimistic that we can get most of them in, but it's probably not likely we get all of them in. And that's just kind of the nature of 2020, I think. Yeah, and 
you know, to build on that, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter and elsewhere saying, oh, we should push back the start. And, you know, because of this, you know, new surge of the virus. And then I saw our own Pat Finn with a good point this morning where he said, um, that may be true, but tipping off now is while there's no students on campus. So the basketball teams should essentially be in bubbles um, for the right. time being during these, you know, extended breaks that these various schools are going into. Like I know Virginia Tech is, you know, home for Thanksgiving and they're home for the, you know, until the new year and the new semester. So right. um, from that perspective, it actually kind of is a bubble to start at the, be- the beginning of the year, which could be really good. And I mean, who knows how it looks once kids get back to campus. Cause we saw that with football once. Right. Regular students were back on campus. Teams started popping up, especially Virginia Tech. So um, it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. I'm very optimistic, though. Um, you know, there's been a lot of negative talk about how football's gone. But overall, it's kind of hard to, you know, there have been games missed every week. But the season, when we're over halfway through the season at this point in these various conferences, and it hasn't been terrible. I mean, the NFL manages has managed to do pretty well, so... Um, I'm optimistic and yeah, I agree with, you know, Brad Brownell, like the, the overwhelming talking point is the money. And yeah, that's obviously huge with last year, you know, they lost all that revenue, the NCAA right. and that's, that's huge for them. But the kids also want to play. Like, yeah, there's a lot of guys who, you know, this is, you know, what they, this is the end of their career. No, not everybody makes it to the NBA and they want to play as much basketball as they can. So I really hope that, for the sake of the NCAA, for the sake of the kids, and for the sake of the country, they can make this work. Because right, uh, canceling the NCAA tournament last year was brutal. So it was rough. I mean, we were so close to it too. I mean, the conference tournaments yeah. were all tipping off, and we're literally like a week and a half from March Madness, and they're like, "Nope, can't do it." And I understand now, looking back on it, why that was the case. But man, that was really, really just a rough few months there, and it's been a it's been a tough year. So I hope that. They can play. And yeah, I thought Pat did bring up a great point there. And that was something I hadn't really thought of. The fact that a lot of schools in the ACC, at the very least, and I I know that a lot of schools on the national level are doing this as well, where, you know, kids are going home for Thanksgiving. They're really not coming back until January. And if you're able to get the season started without the greater and broader school population there and present, I I think it's a great point. You are really bubbling these kids. And, And the other point, too, is. You know, I, I think the ri- the risk is obviously you're all, always running a risk anytime you're in a group to to catch the virus and it's you know it's spread easily and all that. But I would feel like with the general student population off campus, I think the greatest risk of catching the virus is kind of removed from the equation. So it, it'll be really interesting to see how college basketball um, goes here over the next few weeks. I'm hopeful, like you, and I'm optimistic that you know, we'll see games played. And that of course includes Virginia tech, which Ed, I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic about this tech team. Let's talk about the roster a little bit, because this is a nice mix of veterans, but also some, some young guys here, obviously a, a lot of hype around the freshmen, David and Gasson, Joe Bamisil, obviously garnering a lot of hype, which is understood because of what kind of player he was in high school. Darius Maddox, obviously a nice, you know, really nice guard from Oak Hill. So, what do you think of this team top to bottom from a depth standpoint and from a veteran leadership standpoint, you got BD, you got a lot of guys who played as freshmen who are going to come into their own as sophomores. What do you think of this team top to bottom here? I'm really excited about this team. Um, preseason ACC number 11. Um, I think that that's pretty low. I, I expect them, you know, one of my predictions that I was going to say for the end, but I'll throw it in there now is that we finished in the top eight in the conference. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because of that depth and some of that veteran leadership. Um, yeah, I mean, my projected starting five, I don't know about you, but I've got BD, the transfer from Kansas State, Diara. I think that's how you say his last name. And then Naheem Aline, I think, is going to make a big step this year. He's got a lot of uh, Justin Bibbs in his game. He does. Not just the lefty perspective, but the way he plays as well. And then the transfer from Delaware, Justin Mutz, I'm really excited about. And Keeve Aluma, is that correct? The Wofford Kev- transfer? Keve Aluma, Keve? I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, regardless, we have a big man from Wofford that sat out last year that was a solid player from Mike Young at Wofford. And I think, you know, a year off, year in the weight room, that kind of thing could be really helpful. And then just you go on down, and it's just a lot of players that have a lot of experience playing in a Virginia Tech uniform. Jalen Cohn, Hunter Couture, Tyrese Radford. Um, those three come off the bench. That's a lot of shooting. And then, you know, the always bulldog Tyrese Radford just doing a little bit of everything. Had an amazing year last year, and I think he could be a perfect, like, six-man type role. Um, and I haven't even gotten to the freshmen. So, yeah, this team's got a lot of depth. Um, they're going to play a lot of guys, I think. I think, you know, Coach Young's kind of said as much. Um, there's a couple of guys, John Ogiaco, I think has potential to be a really good player. And in yep. a year where, uh, eligibility doesn't really count, I think that could be huge for him on uh, his development. I mean, he's a giant dude and you saw glimpses of the, uh, the potential as the year went on last year with him. And then Joe Bamisil and Darius Maddox. Um, yeah, obviously Joe's getting a lot of love and rightfully so, but, uh, I'm super excited about Darius Maddox too. Six, five can shoot it, can score, you know, at all three levels, good player. Um, and then the transfer from Iowa, Cordell Pemsel, the yeah. six nine. He kind of, you know, ha- had a good start to his career out there. And then, um, you know, national player of the year, Luca Garza comes in and you don't get to play as much. So um, that <laughs> happens, life. but yep. that's a lot of depth. I mean, I just named 12 guys. So, and that's not even including, you know, the other freshmen, um, you know, and, I mean, from the rest of the roster, I don't know, it's kind of some walk-ons and things like that. But 12 guys is a lot of guys. And all that, you know, I can see pushing for significant playing time or, you know, in a role. But think about that. We've got – I'm looking at 6'9", 6'10", 6'9", 6'7". That's more height than the entire Buzz Williams era. So Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, what are your thoughts on the, you know, the lineup? I <sighs> – I think this could go a number of different directions. And it's really interesting because I, I look at this team top to bottom. I agree with you. So much depth. Um, a lot of guys who have played a lot of basketball, not necessarily at Virginia Tech, though, right? Talk about Cartier. I think it's Cartier Jada from Kansas State is how he pronounces his last name. So that was new to me. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I think he's going to come in. I, it's pretty clear he's going to be a starter. Uh, Mike Young said that he's going to come in and play point guard right away, which to me means that BD is either going to be the first guard off the bench or he's going to move to an off ball role, which is basically what he occupied when Justin Robinson was here for Virginia tech. So that's, that's a little interesting wrinkle. And I think that suits BD's game better to not be the primary ball handling point guard, but he can do that if needed. Um, as he showed for much of last year, I think that there's a possibility for Jada and BD to be the two starting guards, because I think what you get there is a mix of, speed offense and then perimeter defense. John is a little bit underrated as a defender. Um, I thought he always was in the big 12 at Kansas state. He was just a electric guy on the fast break and really good offensively as a player, but he's a guy who I think his defense is a little bit underrated. And what this is one of the best on ball defenders in the country, let alone the ACC. I mean, he's just really tough to score on the athletic released an article today, Ed, and they, 
it was an anonymous ACC players poll. You know, who do you think the best player in the conference is? Who do you think is the player who's hardest to score on? The player who was hardest to score on was Wabisabidi. And that was from an anonymous players poll throughout the ACC, which I thought was very interesting. So I, I think Beattie's received some recognition, obviously, in the conference for how difficult he is to go up against. Uh, because of how good of a defender he is. But I could see a lineup with Jada and BD in the backcourt. I think that would be a formidable duo. Two seniors, right? You, you have Jada as a grad transfer and, and BD as a senior. Uh, two guys who can step in and give you that veteran presence in the backcourt. And some of the best teams we've seen throughout the years in college basketball have had veteran leadership in the backcourt. And I think that's what this provides you with. As far as the rest of the lineup is concerned, it's going to be interesting to see what Mike Young wants to do here, because I think if he wants to go big, he has the option to go big, right? You got Cordell Pemsel, Justin Mutz, and Keve Aluma. Uh, Pemsel's 6'9", Mutz is 6'7", Aluma's 6'9", right? So you got options on the perimeter, on the wing. Um, and then if you want to post some of those guys up, you can, I think Cordell Pemsel is probably the guy closest to, to that ability to just post, you know, put, put on the block and post up. John Ogiaco at 6'10". I think he's likely to come off the bench. But it depends on kind of what you want out of this lineup. I think Naheem Aline is the guy who's going to play on the wing. He's going to be a starter. Um, I agree with you. I think he's got a lot of Justin Bibbs in his game. Obviously, the lefty comparison is there. But I think his ability to create a shot off the dribble is something that Bibbs was able to develop from his freshman to his sophomore year. And I think that we can see a similar jump from him this year. I do think Joe Bamisil is going to play a lot. I'm not sure if they're going to throw a freshman in the starting lineup right away. I think it's probably more natural that he comes off the bench, but he's going to play a ton. Mike Young mentioned in a press conference last week with reporters that out of all the freshmen that Tech has on the roster, whether it be scholarship players or walk-ons, Bamisil is probably the furthest along because of his how his game translates to next level offensively and defensively. He did mention, though, that David Ngassan is going to play a lot, even though his shot isn't quite there. He's so athletic and he's such a rangy defender that Mike Young said he's going to play a good bit. So expect to see at the very least those two guys play a lot. And then I think Darius Maddox will obviously get some playing time behind the two primary guards. But it's really going to depend on what Mike Young wants to see out of this lineup, because I think unlike some Virginia Tech teams more recently, what this team has now they really didn't have under Buzz Williams is versatility. They can go big, they can go small, they're athletic on the wing, they're athletic in the backcourt, they're even athletic in the front court now. And I think this is a team that has a lot of upside. I agree with you. The you know ranking Tech as the 11th best team in the ACC, I think is essentially the media saying, look, we see all these guys with potential, but prove it to us, right? You have a lot of guys who haven't played together before, um, when you consider all the transfers from Mutz to Jada um, to da- to uh, Cordell Pemsel, like guys who have not played at Virginia Tech before, but have played a lot of college basketball, trying to mesh with this team of young freshmen and sophomores, that'll be really interesting to me. I th- The two players that stand out to me that I think will be most interesting to monitor from a minute standpoint and kind of where they fit in, whether it be a starter or off the bench, is Tyrese Radford and Jalen Cohn. Jalen Cohn, I think, is definitely going to come off the bench, um, but he is kind of a spark plug. You throw him in there, he can come off the bench. He's just an, he makes everything he looks at, right? The only issue is that he's like five foot eight. Like he comes off the bench, he's not a big guy, uh, but he shoots the absolute lights out. And I think he's a spark plug off the bench offensively that you throw in there. 
a good bit. And he's extremely athletic, quick, and a guy who can create his own shot, which Virginia Tech didn't have a lot of last year, but he was one of the few guys who could. And Tyrese Radford was one of the best players in the ACC last year uh, with this bully ball game that he played at, at 6'2", 200. He reminded me a lot of Marcus Smart when he was at Oklahoma State. He just kind of, you know, guarded everybody well, did a little bit of everything well, but did nothing like spectacular. I mean, I, I will say the one part of Radford's game that stands out to me is his ability to rebound Ed, because at 6'2", having him be one of the leading rebounders on the team is something you don't see very often. So that obviously translates. But those are the two guys who I think are kind of forgotten about with all the transfers coming in and all the freshmen um, that are coming in and expected to play a big role. I, I think Radford and Cone can kind of be the glue to hold this whole thing together. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I mean, I was looking at, you know, who I projected to start, you know, with BD and Jara. Um, that defense, like you were talking about with the defensive tandem, could be pretty lethal. Um, you know, BD's, BD's a known commodity on defense throughout the ACC and the country. And has been basically since he was a freshman. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jara at Kansas State last year averaged 1.8 steals per game. Um, and is like you said, a one-man fast break. So ridiculous. And I'm really, I mean, he's probably the player I'm, you know, in the short term the most excited about. Obviously, you know, he's a senior, he's got one year, but his stat line last year and the kind of player he, you know, showed he can be is pretty special and what kind of what we were missing last year, which is someone who can initiate offense off the dribble. Um, we haven't had that since Justin Robinson left and, you know, force those rotations to get those shooters open. Cause we have a lot of, you know, knockdown guys, but we just didn't have anyone, you know, BD's not a one-on-one off the dribble kind of guy, right? That's not his game, but the addition of Jara could, you know, prove to be really, really helpful for guys like Naheem Aline, Jalen Cohn, Hunter Couture, you know, all of these knockdown shooters. And yeah, like you were saying about the two guys to monitor their minutes. Um, I hope Radford doesn't, um, you know, I hope his inability to shoot isn't something that plays him out of the lineup because he does provide so much else that yep. it's just like that the other guys just don't. And I know that, you know, Coach Young loves the shooters and apparently Radford's shot's gotten a little better, but that's just not his game. He's, he's the, the bulldog and I hope he finds a way in the lineup. And I think he will. Uh, Jalen Cohn, same thing. I agree with you. He's the spark plug, come off the bench, knock down threes, you know, create open shots for yourself. Um, something to monitor is apparently he's got a boot on. Um, uh-huh. I've seen that for the last few weeks on his TikTok, actually, believe mm-hmm. it or not. So the inside scoop there from TikTok, uh, Jalen's got a boot on. So I'm not sure what the deal with that is, um, you know, how that's going to affect his season. Hopefully it's nothing too serious because – He's so much fun to watch play. That Syracuse game last year was insane. Yeah. Um, nuts. He's a fun guy to watch. In terms of the minutes thing that you were talking about, um, I don't know what to expect from Hunter Couture this year. I don't either. Uh, that, that's a guy that I'm kind of like looking at and I'm like, all right, his role is what his role is. He's a wing three-point shooter, you know, catch it, put it up. Don't even think about it. Um, where does that fit in this lineup? I don't know. There's a lot of questions with this lineup because it's almost like an embarrassment of riches where – there's so much talent that I think Coach Young is going to have kind of a hard time figuring out which lineups play well together and things of that nature. Um, Cause there's a lot of guys that, you know, have the talent to play. Uh, I, it is interesting that David and is going to be, you know, I'll say this about him. So when he committed, I was like, Oh, three-star, that's cool. And then I went and watched his film and I was like, that's not a three-star. That kid's way better than that. Yeah. Like, right. Exactly. Yep. So I'm not surprised that he's getting the high praise that he's getting so early. Um, I am, I would be surprised if he plays a lot because I think he plays a similar 
role to Justin Mutz. And I think Justin Mutz is probably just more polished and, you know, more yep. physically imposing and things of that nature at this point in his career. So it'd be cool to see, you know, the three young guys, you know, Bamisil, Maddox, and I guess, and remind me a lot of Robinson, Blackshear, and Clark. So yeah, yeah. hopefully the three of them can stay together for a few years. Um, I think Darius Maddox has a chance to be the best of all of them. Um, he's just got a smooth game, just really smooth player. Uh, maybe it'll take a little bit longer for him to adjust to college level, but um, I think he could be a really good player, you know, years down the line. Uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited about the versatility of this lineup with BD, Jara, you throw in Radford, Mutz, and then maybe even like Ojiako. That's a really good defensive lineup. Um, there's just a lot of versatility that Mike Young and his staff are going to be able to, you know, mess around with, especially in the early going against weaker opponents, which we can dive into next if you want. Yeah, I, real quick on Couture, I'm with you because he's got that mm-hmm. set role. So I think he'll play a good bit. I just don't know when it's going to be. Like, I don't know, like, with what lineup is he, is he going to play with? I guess, naturally, his fit would be with guys who are going to slash to the hoop so he can just stand outside and just bang threes. But I'm wondering if, I'm just kind of wondering what his minutes look like. Because I think a lot of it's going to be matchup dependent on who Tech is playing and, you know, what Mike Young thinks the best way to attack the opposing defense is. If it's going to be a lot of slashers going to the hoop and kick a lot of kickouts and stuff like that, I think Couture is a guy who plays, you know, 20 to 25 minutes a game, which seems like a lot. But I think he could, he, that's what he played last year. <laughs> he was out there a lot. So yeah. I, I think there's, there's potential there. There's also potential for him to play like 10 to 15 minutes a game, which I think is probably more likely. So I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see kind of how he fits. As far as the schedule is concerned, Tech had a p- potential game with Oregon that was taken off the schedule. Um, that would have been kind of cool measuring stick game against Dana Altman because those teams are always well coached. So COVID sucks. But uh, November 25th, next Wednesday. So Tech plays Radford at Castle Coliseum at noon, day before Thanksgiving. That's the opener for the Hokies. Uh, should be a win there, you would think, but it'll be a nice little local measuring stick game and a good opportunity to see what Mike Young thinks of his team in the early going and how he thinks guys are going to be uh, strategically played with, from a minute standpoint, who the starters are going to be. It's just going to be cool just to see this team on the court playing against somebody that's not themselves in a scrimmage. Yeah, I mean, of the first three games, so Tech's got Radford next Wednesday, and then next Saturday, the 28th, Temple up in Connecticut in the Air Force Reserve Basketball Hall of Fame tip-off. And then the following day, Sunday, the 29th, they play um, USF. And, you know, like you said, it'd be a nice measuring stick against Radford. But of those three teams, Radford is by far the superior team. Uh, Radford's coming off a 21-11 and 11 year, yep. whereas Temple and USF were both uh, 14-17 and 17 last year. So... Radford's no slouch. I mean, it's obviously a lower level of basketball, but they're pretty good in that lower level of basketball. I do think it is a very good measuring stick game for this team. And I think you'll see a lot of lineup like uh, rotation and experimenting from Mike Young in that one. Um, You know, as you were talking about with the lineup, um, you mentioned BD come off the bench. Yeah. I mean, there's even potential for if you want to split up BD and Jara having just two fives and just roll five in five out. Yeah. That's how deep this team is. So it'd be really interesting to see, how they do that um, in those first three games against what you would let, hope to consider lesser competition that they should be able to win uh, easily. And if you like zoom out even further on the schedule, they play those first three games and then they play VMI the following Thursday, December 3rd 
And then you jump right into the ACC Big Ten Challenge, and you've got Penn State the eighth, and then Clemson right after that. So those first four games will be a really good test and really good warm-up for two games against, you know, obviously higher-level competition that you would hope this team can manage to win both of. But it'll be a really, really telling game, I think, right off the shoot against Radford. We'll see what kind of team this is going to be. Yeah, I'm with you. I I look at the schedule, and there's obviously no off days in the ACC, right? So being able to get some wins under your belt early will be crucial. And I'm, I, I think that Virginia Tech's team and how the roster stands right now, I, I think Tech is in better position than other teams in the ACC in a COVID year, where if you do have guys who test positive, it's not necessarily agree. at the end of the world, right? Unless it's just like a total you know, outbreak within your team. I, I feel like Tech is better suited than other teams to kind of withstand that this year because I think they have... A, a lot of guys who have played a ton of basketball. B, you got guys who have played together as freshmen last year, so it's not like you're playing a bunch of inexperienced sophomores. You got guys who have played together, played a lot of basketball already early in their careers. And I think a lot of Tech fans will be looking at this Hokies team this year, and they'll be thankful that you know the freshmen kind of took their lumps a year ago and still played pretty good basketball. I mean, there was a time where we were wondering if Tech was going to be ranked <laughs> a year yeah. ago, which is pretty Knocked wild Michigan state. Yeah. And we were looking at like, Oh my God, this team is like a couple wins away from being ranked. And we weren't even supposed to be in the bubble conversation this year. And ultimately, you know, as tends to happen with teams that play a ton of, you know, three and four star freshmen, the team fell off later in the year as they kind of went through the grind of ACC play. But overall it was such a successful first year from the standpoint of growth for a lot of the guys who played as freshmen you know, the guys are bringing in, you can't help but be excited about them uh, this year. And I look around the rest of the conference and, you know, I think North Carolina is going to take a step forward and be much better. Um, they should be a top 10, top 15 team. Again, they got a really talented roster. Duke will be good again. They got a host of five-star kids. They're, they're young, but they'll be good. But And Florida State is probably the most experienced team in the conference returning. And, and UVA has got a lot of experience coming back. I think those are the two teams that kind of monitor um, outside of Duke and North Carolina, the traditional powers, but I'm with you. You mentioned off the top with Florida State and UVA probably being the two best teams in the ACC. I think I'm right there with you on that assessment. I think Duke and North Carolina aren't far behind, but I think that's a pretty clear top four in the conference. Yeah, I think, I think that's super clear. And, you know, you can almost even go a step further and say Virginia is probably head and shoulders above the other three. Um, you know, it's hard as a tech fan to, you know, admit that, but I'm a basketball fan first and always have been, and you can't help but respect Tony Bennett and what he does there in Charlottesville. That team's loaded every year. Um, and they just play sound basketball. But in terms of what you're talking about with the freshmen taking their lumps last year, I think it was almost the perfect uh, reset year. There was a lot of, you know, brief moments of highs where it gave the fan base a lot to look at going forward and be excited about with Coach Young. And in the sense that it was a good reset, you know, there was a lot of roster turnover and they play, he played, Mike Young played a lot of his guys that he brought in. And now all those guys are, you know, true sophomores and they understand the system. They understand the expectations and they can help, you know, these transfers and these freshmen who we all expect to play key roles kind of adapt to that new system and that new philosophy. Um, you know, the only holdover from the buzz era is BD. And we know what, what coach Young thinks of BD. He absolutely adores him. So yep. Uh, I think the roster has the potential mixed with the coaching staff and the experience to 
surprise a few people on this ACC schedule. Um, you know, Louisville has been hit kind of hard. You know, they lost some talented players before the season's even started. Um, they are another team that is usually right there at the top. So um, there's a the potential for this for Virginia Tech to sneak into what I think they could do, which is the top eight in the ACC, which I would deem a very successful year. And potential, I think, if you're in the top eight in the ACC, depending on what the rest of the country looks like from a game. There's so many variables this year. So I, I try to look at it from even playing field, what we've seen in the past from a games played perspective and stuff like that. Cause I really don't know how this is going to shake out with who plays how many games and what that means for conference tournaments, seating and NCAA tournament seating and all that. I try to take that out of the equation because there's so many unknowns, but I feel like if tech plays their way into the top eight in the ACC, they'll have a legitimate shot at making the NCAA tournament. I think they'll definitely be a bubble team at that point, depending on who those wins are against in conference play if they just beat up on everybody who you expect them to, and they don't win any big games, it's going to be harder to get in, obviously, given the non-conference schedule. I think Oregon would have really helped if Oregon was on the schedule and Tech were able to knock off Oregon. Then you have a non-conference game you can kind of hang your hat on. But Tech doesn't really have that this year from a non-conference standpoint. I mean, they they play a Penn State team that's now without their head coach, so they got a first-year head coach situation there uh, in Happy Valley, which is... You know, Penn State's been a talented team for the last couple of years, and you remove their coach from the equation for off off court stuff, and that gets a little bit dicey. But it's really going to come down to, as it usually does, what Tech does in conference play, and it's a pretty tough schedule, top to bottom, as you'd expect. I mean, you got obviously North Carolina late in the year. You got to play. You got Duke. You got UVA. You got Florida State. I mean, it's just not an easy slate. And if Virginia Tech can win a few of those you know, tough swing games against the top four or five teams in the conference. I think they obviously will have a, a pretty decent shot at playing their way into March, depending on how that ACC tournament looks. Yeah. And it, the schedule is so weird. It's almost like baseball where you're playing like a series. Um, yeah. You know, you got you know, these two game in the middle of the week, back-to-back days, like Tuesday, Wednesday against Duke, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday against Louisville. Like it, it's, it's almost like baseball where you want to like, get a split, you know, get a yeah. split and get out of there and get home. So it's, it's very interesting how the schedule is laid out. I think it's going to make for a lot of fun if everything goes, you know, the way it's supposed to fun for the viewers, but just looking at the ACC predicted order of finish, you know, for this year, Virginia tech at 11, they're going to have a chance to knock off a team that has voted a little bit higher than them right off the bat in the first ACC game in Clemson. So um, Clemson was predicted to finish 10th. Georgia tech is ninth. NC state eighth. In my opinion, Virginia Tech is probably better than all three of those teams. Yep. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Georgia Tech and what they've, you know, they lack of what they've been able to build down there in all those years the pastor's been there. So I think Virginia Tech should be able to knock off all three of those teams. And then right ahead of them, Miami, Syracuse, Louisville. Who knows what Louisville is going to look like? Syracuse, Jim Beheim's out right now. Miami's always kind of a toss up. So there is definitely the potential for Virginia Tech to surprise a lot of these teams with their depth. And, you know, the unknown, somewhat unknown of what Mike Young and his staff will bring. I um, mean, you know, I saw a little bit of it last year, but I highly doubt that that was, um, you know, we released the whole playbook kind of thing Yep. Um, in a year when we didn't have much talent and experience. So I think there's a lot of potential for a lot of madness to go on throughout the entire season in college basketball and not just in March. So it's, it, could, it should be a really fun one. I'm looking forward to the season. Looking forward to what Virginia Tech's got going on. So I'm really, really excited. 
So before we get into our you know three predictions for the season, I just want to add a couple more points. So Tech opens the ACC year with Clemson on December 15th. Tech also opened with Clemson last year, and that was the very first game of the year. Tech won that game to kind of showcase the ACC network because um, they had that weird one game for a bunch of conference teams. It's like, hey, let's let's showcase the conference network. Okay, great. Tech beats Clemson, surprises everybody, and Mike Young's first game as head coach. That was the favorite. That that was that led to the favorite quote by Mike Young of, "All right, let's go get something cold to drink. Let's try to do that again." Yeah, we got cold beers waiting. Yeah, let's try to do that again on Clem- to Clemson on December fifteenth to kind of open up the ACC year. And Ed, you mentioned the uh, the games that are kind of like series, right, where you play games on back to back days against some of these conference opponents. First of which comes December 29th and thirtieth, so right after Christmas. Tech has Miami at Castle Coliseum for the first of several two-game series that they have. Uh, but I think we'll really learn a lot about Tech in the early part of January. They got Louisville January 5th and 6th, Notre Dame on January 10th at home. Uh, they got Duke January 12th and 13th at home. So it's beneficial to Tech that they do have a lot of these games at home. Um, I, I guess the one wrinkle that's interesting on this schedule that I observed is that Tech plays Notre Dame three times. Which is very odd. They have a game against Notre Dame uh, scheduled for January 10th, and then January 26th and 27th they play Notre Dame in South Bend. So that's a little odd. And it looks like looking down the schedule, I guess Florida State also February 9th and 10th, and then Louisville and Miami as well. Louisville and Miami as well. So we're going to see a lot of some of these teams. And I, I guess a good thing for Tech is that if you win. If you at least split some of those games, you can hang your hat on, especially if it's on the road, you can hang your hat on because it's not easy to win on the road in the ACC. I think if Tech is able to pull off some upsets here against some teams ranked a bit higher than them, at least in the preseason rankings, I think that would go a long way to trying to get themselves into a good seed in the ACC tournament and then try to find their way into the NCAA tournament, which quite honestly might even be like a year ahead of schedule given what Mike Young inherited in Blacksburg. So, yeah, I would definitely think that that would be at least a year ahead of schedule, but going back to what you were saying about those teams, we played three times. The schedule makers were somewhat kind um, mm-hmm. because of those teams. We played three times. We're not playing Duke three times. We're not playing UVA three times. So nope. that I'll definitely take that from the schedule makers, but yeah, let's dive into our predictions. So I already touched on the one where I think Virginia Tech's going to finish in the top eight, yep. at least of the ACC. I think the potential is there for it. And, you know, I think that would make a lot of Virginia Tech fans feel really, really good about Mike Young and what he's got going on. Not that they already don't. Um, get your cold beers, waiting hats on some Saturday.com, by the way. Um, I'll jump into my second one. I think Cartier Jara makes an all-ACC team. We didn't have anybody on any of those teams last year. Nolly was an honorable mention. Um, I think Jara has the potential to make, you know, at least third team, if not second. I think he can be a really good player that, I'm not sure people in the conference are familiar with coming from a K-State program. So yep. um, I'll kick it over to you. Give us one or two of yours. So I, I think Tech pulls an upset against one of UVA and Duke. They see them several times on the schedule. I Look, I mean, both of those teams, UVA and Duke, are far and away going to be favored in the games that they play against Virginia Tech, whether it's home or on the road. I think Tech Tech always seems to pull an upset against one of these two teams every year. I don't think it's that bold to say, even though there's this huge talent gap between Tech and UVA and between Tech and Duke, I don't think it's outrageous to say that Tech is going to be able to pull off an upset against one of those two teams, maybe both. 
<laughs> this year, given the depth that they have and the uncertainty and all the freshmen that Duke's going to play in particular. Um, a really young team there in Durham that I think could be had if Tech shows up and plays well with their veteran leadership on the roster. So I think that's a possibility. I like your top eight prediction a lot. I think I'm going to side with you there. I think Tech being ranked 11th is a little bit low, um, just given all the depth they have and the mix of talent and the versatility that the roster has, especially. I think that's especially crucial in a COVID year. I get that when you know the, the media folks are picking the predicted order of finish, they're not looking at, okay, well, what if X, Y, and Z happens? But I think it's inevitable that players are going to be missing time due to COVID. It's just kind of what we're dealing with in 2020. And I think Virginia Tech is one of the teams that's best suited for it in the ACC. I think that's going to propel them a bit higher in the standings that a lot of people expect. And I think with Bissabidi, um, I, I think with Bissabidi has potential to make an all ACC team. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but Mike Young said that Beattie has made strides in his offensive game, which if he if he does anything remotely impressive from an offensive standpoint, which I know a lot of people listening to this are going to be like, Beattie hasn't scored in three years. Why is he going to start scoring now? But Mike Young said he's really been working on his shot. He's shown improvement. Uh, I talked to actually Joe Bamisil about this too. He said, dude, Beattie's going to have a big year. So he, he said that to me in a text message. So I, look, they're seeing him in practice. He, he's played well offensively in practice. Mike Young has gushed about how he's improved his offensive game, and we know the defense is there. I think that's the boldest prediction you could possibly make, but I think the potential is out there if he's able to advance his offensive game at all because his defense is so far along that if he's able to contribute more on the offensive end, I think he's a guy who can slide in there, potentially even as an honorable mention all-conference, I think would be a huge step in the right direction for Beatty uh, coming into his senior year. Yeah, and I honestly, like, I'd be really happy for him if he was able to do that. Me too. He kind of he's a dude that's just hard to not like um, from afar. Seems like just a happy dude who loves playing basketball, and you know he's fun on Twitter. He messes with everybody on Twitter. You know who calls him out for his lack of offensive games. So it'd be cool to see him take a step in the right direction there. It would. My third and final prediction is probably by far the most bold one. Um, Joe Bama still making top three in the freshman of the year voting in the ACC. Um, he's not, he didn't get a single vote preseason. Um, you know, if you look at the list, Scotty Barnes, Florida state, and then it's Duke, North Carolina, North Carolina, Duke, Virginia, Duke, North Carolina, Duke. So that's exactly how the freshman of the year, uh, voting has lined out for the ACC. And I think Joe has a chance to finish in the top three in that voting by the end of the year. Um, the only thing that I think could be a potential hindrance to that would be, uh, the depth that we have and if yep. he gets enough playing time to do so. Yep. Um, but everything we're hearing about Joe coming into the year, the kind of player he is, the kind of athlete he is, um, I think he has the potential to finish in the top three of the ACC freshman of the year, which would be pretty fantastic. Um, for, you know, a guy that a lot of Virginia Tech fans are very excited about. It would be really, really cool for this program to have a freshman on that level. Yeah. Um, so that's my third and final prediction. Definitely kind of, might be a reach, but I think I don't think he got enough respect um, in the preseason polls. So we'll see how the year plays out. I actually agree with you there because uh, look, I think he's receiving all the praise that Nolly received, except I think the results are going to match it on the court when he gets out there um, from everything Mike Young has said, from everything everybody's expecting of him and what, what we've seen from a film standpoint of his high school game, he is absolutely ridiculous from a shooting standpoint and athleticism standpoint. He's shown the ability to be a good defender on film. Like he has the potential to be really good. Everybody talked about Landers and Ollie as a potential one and done. 
I think if Bamisil got enough minutes, he could potentially be that type of player for Virginia Tech. The thing is, I don't think he will only because of the depth and the minutes and the fact that even if he plays well, I don't know how much he'll play only because Tech's got like 12 or 13 guys that can roll out on a regular basis. And I think Mike Young will do that because it's better to have a team that's really experienced, that's getting a lot of minutes, that can play a lot of different lineups together. Um, and I think Mike Young will go that route. But I expect Bamisil to have a big role. It would surprise me if Joe was in Blacksburg all four years. I'm not saying he'll transfer. I don't think that. I'm just saying from the standpoint of going to the league because he's got an NBA frame. He's a really good scorer. He's a guy who can defend. He's super athletic. He's everything you look for in an NBA prospect. If he's able to match that production to the hype that he's receiving, um, if he's able to play as well as a lot of people expect him to play on the floor, I don't expect him to be a tech all four years. So enjoy him while you have him. That's all I'll say about that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's kind of, I mean, a different, different game, different style of play um, than, you know, Nikhil, but, mm-hmm. you know, similar field coming into his career. Um, I agree. You know, we'll be grateful for every year we've got him kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, I would love for him to finish in top three ACC of the year. That would freshman of the year. Sorry. Um, that'd be something that would kind of put this program on the map in terms of the, you know, recruiting down the line, like, Hey, we can put freshmen, you know, on the, on the national stage early right. and fast and, you know, into the league in turn. So, uh, hopefully he's here for more than a year, but I'm not counting on it. He's, he's a pretty talented dude. So yeah. I'm really excited to watch him play. And it would be really good. You, you mentioned the recruiting standpoint, just kind of last thing before we finish up here, you mentioned the recruiting standpoint and how important that would be. It would also speak a lot to the program, not just, uh, Buzz Williams, just what he was able to do with Nikhil, but also for Mike Young to do this with either one of these freshmen or multiple freshmen where it's like, hey, you can come here, you can be a one and done or a guy who enters the draft early after a couple years and we'll send you to the pros, you'll be ready to play, you'll play well in conference play, get a lot of exposure in the best conference in the country. And this is now a program thing with Virginia Tech, not just a Buzz Williams thing. And I think that would be a really good step in the direction of the basketball program for Virginia Tech. I think Mike Young obviously gives his players the freedom in his offensive system to get the job done and do that. So we'll see. Um, this will be interesting. So, Ed, you got anything else before we finish up here? No, I, I'm I'm really excited for the year. This was fun. I'm excited to continue to you know put these out every week. Uh, I think Coach Young's put together a really good team really fast in Blacksburg, and Virginia Tech fans have a reason to tune in. You know, next Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. Tune in and watch because this team's got the potential to shock some people on the national level. Um, yep. Very, very excited. And go Hokies. And it gives you it gives you a distraction from football, which absolutely is needed. Needed. It. needed. So needed it. Hopefully they can get back on track this week, but I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. Well, Pittsburgh is always a tough team to play against, especially on the road. Tech does not like going to Heinz Field, so what could possibly go wrong there? Anyway, so this is our first basketball preview podcast. Thank you all for listening. Again, like Ed said, we'll be back on a weekly basis. Ed, tell the people where they can find your stuff. Yeah, on Twitter. Um, at, I actually don't even know off the top of my head. E underscore Williams 24. Um, you know, right on tons of Saturday.com. Go check that out as well. Got an article up there a couple weeks ago about Cartier Jara and you know, the kind of the player he is and the role I expect him to fit in. So if you're into the hoop stuff, um, go give that a read. And yeah, really excited for the year. Thank you all for listening. Yeah, so make sure to go follow Ed, follow all his stuff. Go check out sonsofsaturday.com. That's where Ed writes. That's where I write. Check out the Locks of Saturday podcast. We 
don't only do football betting, but we do hoops betting as well as we're kind of getting into basketball season. That's something we plan to continue to plan on doing. So go check that out. Um, go find me at Mike McDaniel VT. It's a cesspool on my Twitter with people in my mentions at, but that's okay. We'll just encourage people to go check that out. Um, encourage it. I do encourage it. Everybody tells me that they're like, Mike, you just bring this upon yourself, which I do, but it's fun. So go check that out. It makes for a good time. It makes for a good time. Everybody at least enjoys it and it's entertaining. So uh, go check that out and follow along with us at sonsofsaturday.com all year long as Ed and I and a host of others continue to write about the basketball program. And then just come check out the Sons of Saturday podcast every week. We'll be releasing a basketball pod, Ed and I, um, at least on a weekly basis. And we'll try to keep you all updated on what we think and our thoughts on the year um, as the season plays out. Uh, But until next time, go Hogan's.